lesson planned for tonight as well as uh, I believe there is a another sheet in there this is part of the curriculum days of creation so this is a fill out fill in the blank kind of thing you can enjoy doing tonight as we go through our lesson um, tonight we're, we're going to get into another one of our lessons about creation the six days that God actively created our world and then the seventh day that he rested and today what we're going to be looking at is creation, the days, and the kinds. And so we're going to look at uh, the first four days of creation. We're going to look uh, specifically at the day and, and how we've said last week and the week before that um, when the Bible says that God created on this day, the Bible really meant a 24-hour day. And so tonight we're going to look a little bit more about um, that use of the Hebrew word yom, which is, is the word used for day. We're going to look into that a little bit more. We're going to also talk quite a bit about kinds and what that means, kinds, and how it, um, it really emphasizes the validity, validity of the scriptures and it discredits any theory. And we did talk about theory some last week um, of evolution and how the Bible and evolution and some of the scientific theories just, they don't match up. And so, you know, while some people would want to blend these two lines of belief and how the world came into existence together, the old world um, school of thought or the, the new world, the creationist point of view, um, they really don't blend together. They don't go together. They don't mix. There are inconsistencies that you can't reconcile if you take evolution and the word and try to blend them together. So tonight, that's kind of the, the focus that we're going to be getting into, talking about days, talking about kinds, and talking specifically about the first four days of creation, what was created. Uh, we're going to go through and dissect a little bit of scripture and talk about what each uh, day of creation meant and how it um, would come to impact us as uh, God's people and humanity on the earth. And so um, we'll get into that tonight. I want to give you a brief overview of last week just so everyone's up to speed. I'm so glad to see some new faces in here or at least people that we don't always see on Wednesdays or maybe you've been out for a few weeks. We're just glad that you're all here. We're also happy for anyone watching online, but please come to a Wednesday night service because we love to have you here with us. It's also great tonight that so many of you came out uh, before service and spent some time in the foyer fellowshipping night. We always enjoy that time and so we're glad everyone made it out um, to be with us tonight. Why don't we just pray, and then uh, we'll begin getting into tonight's lesson about creation, days, and kinds. Father God, we come to look at your word tonight, knowing that it is the truth, knowing that it is infallible, Lord. It is the true, unerred word of God. And so we look at it tonight in that context, believing it and knowing that it is the truth. And so we look to your word, Lord, tonight for answers about creation. This is where we base our beliefs, Lord, in in things that are spiritual, but also things that are practical and natural. Lord, we want to believe what you have said and uh, be prepared to answer anyone who would say otherwise. And so, God, I pray tonight as we look into your word, we, have, we would have ears to hear and we would be open to revelation that you would give and, and just come to an understanding of creation in a greater way tonight. We believe it in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 All right. Well, um, as I said last week, uh, we, we did get into our first discussion on creation. What we talked about was uh, the creation of the universe. And so tonight we're going to start again um, in Genesis 1 here in a little bit. And uh, we're, we're not going to talk as much about uh, the heavens and the earth or the in the beginning because we covered that pretty extensively last week. And we're going to kind of pick up 
Um, at the other part where he starts talking about the waters and, and the spirit over the deep and the formless and void. And so we're going to pick up there tonight and then go on into the next few days of creation. Um, we did say last week, and these are important to know, that God created it all. Heavens and earth, that means everything. It was, it was a mirrorism is the term we use to explain head to toe, you know, bumper to bumper. It means the whole thing. God created everything that we see. We also talked about, and it came up Sunday actually while I was preaching at church, that he created the world with ordinances, with laws, with rules that are consistent across the board. It's just another way that we see God in every uh, part of life. We also talked about how he is in all places because he is the creator of all things in all places. We discredited, and well, well, I shouldn't say discredited, although I think that is kind of what we did. We talked about some theories last week, and how they really are just theories. You know, no one that lives today on earth was around when the earth was created. The only resource we have from the beginning of mankind, or the beginning of the world, is the Bible. There is no other source that, that claims to have an understanding or a knowledge of what occurred then. And so uh, the next best thing we have is some guy in a lab guessing at how old some rocks are. I mean, just to kind of put it in simple terms there, that's, that's like what scientists, they're guessing. They're trying to figure out a way to backtrack um, the history of the world. And, and there's been you know, so much inconsistency in that. We talked about last week how with some of these theories, it's difficult to give credit to them because, I mean, you know, these are the same people that are saying the climate's changing, the earth is changing, everything's changing. Well, if it's all changing, then how are you measuring what it's been like for the last 6,000 or 13 billion years, like you say? You know, so we just, I mean, looking at it in that perspective, I think it's easy to see that, you know, they're, they're really guessing. You know, everyone in, in the science community, I, I understand they have their methods, but they're methods that are guessing. And we have an account that we believe is the inspired word of God telling us how the earth came into creation. So I don't know about you, but I'm putting that at a whole lot of a higher standard than any, any other guy's guess at, at how it all happened. And if the guy's guess doesn't line up with the word, well, I'm taking the word over the guess. Amen? So we talked about that a little bit. We, we of course, went over, and, and as I've said tonight, we believe that the Word is the one source of truth and uh, is consistent and infallible. It is the Bible. And so um, tonight we're going to get in, like I said, to the meaning of days and kinds. Why don't we say, um, just as we begin this memory verse together, just talking about how God created this world um, with us in mind. And, and this psalm expresses that quite well. Would you read this with me? When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? Man, God does care for us. Amen. He created a world that had us in mind. And we're going we're gonna to really begin seeing that tonight as we start looking at the earth coming into being. And so I want to start... Um, and we're going to get to uh, Genesis 1 here in a few minutes. I want to start by talking about the word day. Now, I told you uh, as, as we began tonight that the word day used in the Hebrew is the word yom. It rhymes with home. It's yom, Y-O-M. And there are three primary meanings for this word yom. I'm going to give you all three, okay? If we went into the uh, Hebrew dictionary, these are the three meanings that we would find. The first one is simply a day speaking to a 24-hour period of time. The second definition we would see is uh, the daylight of a period of 24 hours. So, you know, daytime. Uh, the third definition 
which is, is the one that some would take to an extreme and try to create um, an, an incorrect viewpoint of creation is an indefinite period of time or an era. Now, we want to be, oh, I'm not going to tell you tonight that there's only one definition and it's only, you know, there could only be one possible answer. But I think as we look at, at some of the ways that this word yom has been utilized, I think it's going to be very clear um, what the writer Moses and God inspiring him, his intention was, and that is that God created the world in six 24-hour days. I wanted to give you some examples of... Um, you know, each of these used, and I'm, I'm sure you could come up with your own, but I thought about, you know, that first term, a day, 24-hour period of time, how I would talk about that. I would say, well, you know, I came to church on a Sunday. I would be, you know, identifying a specific day of the week, a specific 24-period hour of time where I, you know, did something, or, or I had an appointment, or I, you know, you understand where we're going with that. It's a, a specific identification of a period of 24 hours. Um, the next definition, daylight or uh, the daylight period of a day, I mean, we could obviously say, you know, I, I go outside when it's light out during the daytime. Well, we know what that means. It means the time while the light's out, the, the day, not the night of a 24-hour period of time. But we still understand that a day is 24 hours, right? And then, of course, um, the, the other you know, way it's used, the other third definition, an example of that could be, you know, if you're talking to someone and they say, well, back in the old days... You know, back in the good old days, well, that, that's not really referring to a specific um, uh, period of time. It's kind of ambiguous. It leaves it open. To, uh, well, you know, sometime, some, some era in this person's life, this, this is what happened. And so we have these three different definitions. One meaning a very specific 24-hour period of time. Another definition that's specific to light. And then the third, which is, uh, you know, more, more kind of open-ended and just leaves it um, to you know, a, a person's imagination of what that era of time might have looked like. Some of the proof uh, given in the word and, and surrounding the text that I think really indicates that we want to take the first definition, a 24-hour day, is the Brown Dryer Briggs Hebrew Lexicon, which is a big name to say the Hebrew Dictionary, okay, one of the trusted Hebrew dictionaries that many Bible scholars will use. It gives Yom the definition of a 24-hour period of time uh, when used throughout Genesis 1. And so in a Hebrew dictionary or, or in a concordance in some of these Bible study materials, what you'll find is there will be a number and, and it will be explaining in what way a, a word was used. And so the word Yom, it will have a number next to it. And that number will be indicating what definition of the word is being used. I mean, it's, it's just like how we have words that mean a lot of different things, right? I mean, we've got some words that can be used to, to mean a number of things. I mean, if we took the word run, I mean, if I use that today, it could mean I'm, I'm going to you know, start running. It could mean that I'm going to hop in my car and I'm going to run somewhere. I mean, I'm sure we, if we thought about it, we could come up with some other definitions. There are words that have different meanings. And so this dictionary, what they do is they don't only give the, the number of definitions, but throughout the Bible, it gives each word like placement where it says this definition was being used at this point in time. And so this dictionary, the, the Brown Dryer Briggs Hebrew Lexicon, lines up this 24-hour period, that definition of the word yom, in this circumstance. And so, you know, that... That's great, and I think it, it, 
it, it backs our point. I think it supports the argument or, or the standpoint of seeing um, these days as 24-hour period of times and not ages or, or long periods of millions of years, as some people would suggest. Um, but, but I think that there is, is more even beyond that that we can see, um, which reinforces that same belief that, that these days weren't ages. They weren't eras of, of many millions of years or even thousands. They were 24-hour days. Um, when the word yom is used, and this is one of the points brought out by this, this lexicon, when the word yom is used in conjunction with a number or with morning and evening throughout the Old Testament and in many other scriptures, throughout the Psalms, throughout the other scriptures that give history, when it's used in conjunction or in the same sentence with a number or with evening and morning, then it is being used in the 24-hour definition of the word. And we see that throughout Genesis 1, that every time the word day is used, it's given a number. It's given an identification, first day, second day, third day, fourth day. And beyond that, even still, there is morning and evening. God identifies, and we're going to read that today, morning and evening, first day, second day, third day. And so just, just taking the rest of the Old Testament as, as the standard of interpretation, what we see is that the 24-hour definition of Yom is what's being used in Genesis 1. And so we could probably just end it, end it at that and say we agree. Does everybody agree that, that Yom is a 24-hour period of time? Well, I want to give you just a few more points because I prepared them. And, and here's the thing. If you and I are going to be prepared to talk to someone else about this, they might not be willing to just accept, oh, well, some dictionary that I don't know anything about says it's 24 hours, so... So be it. You know, you can think that. Well, I want to give you some other, other thoughts about this and how we can really see this 24-hour period of time used in Scripture and kind of back it up. Um, so to that same point, you know, about how it's used this way all over the Old Testament, here's just a thought for you. There are almost no other places in the Old Testament where somebody denies the use of this word as a 24-hour period of time. It's only in creation that, that people want to say, well, it says this and, and probably means 24-hour, but I'm, I'm thinking it makes more sense with the science that we have to say it's a whole era. I mean, this is like the only time in the Old Testament where it makes sense to use the 24-hour definition and say it was a 24-hour day, but people want to argue that and say, well, maybe they mean the other one. Maybe they mean that indefinite period of time. Well, I, I don't think... That just because science says something different, we should start questioning this passage of the Bible. You know, if, if we're not going to do it through all of the other chapters in the Old Testament, if we're not going to say, well, do we need to go through every scripture that uses the word yom and it, figure out whether they mean a whole period of time or not? I mean, we could, we could talk about like Jonah and the whale. I mean, was he really in, in the belly for three days or was it, you know, three eras? I mean, right? Like, wouldn't that be silly to go through the Old Testament and try to, like, finagle, going back to Sunday, finagle, like, this other definition into these places that it doesn't fit? It doesn't make sense. We could talk about, like, Jericho, too. You know, they marched around for seven days. It wasn't 7,000 years. It, it wasn't seven eras. It was seven 24-hour days. And it's the same situation in Genesis 1. The same word is used. The, the same um, indication of numbers and morning and evening is used there. 
Or, or, you know, we could even take it to the New Testament. What if we were talking about Jesus and how he died and rose three days later? Well, was it really three days or was it three eras? You know, there's nowhere else that, that we have this issue of wanting to mix in this other definition. We, we accept it as a 24-hour day almost everywhere else. So why would we be inconsistent? God's not inconsistent. You know, if he's doing that with the rest of the Bible... I have to believe that this same structure reigns true in Genesis as well. Don't you think so? Um, And and so going on to kind of the next point I have written here about Yom. uh, The days were identified because they were given a literal explanation of time. We talked about that first day, second day, uh, third day, and so on. And now is when we're going to get into some of this PowerPoint. And we're going to talk about how because the word contextualized these days by giving them definition, first day, second day, third day, he gave you the context of where that day fit and what happened on that day. Here are some of the reasons that it was important um, to understand the context. Okay, Day in context, we're going to see some of these other examples where we, we see this day, this word yom meaning a 24-hour period of time used. And, and we could even sub in here and talk about I mean, it's kind of ridiculous to try to substitute in that other definition. Now, the days of Isaac were 180 years. Okay, so do we need to do math and try to add up, you know, since a thousand you know, years is like a day under the Lord? I mean, do we need to do that whole business? And no, we don't. We, we understand that this is a, a, an account of what happened. We have a number. It's, it's just very clear. It's, it's a passing on of information. We talked about last week how this is written um, as, as a historical narrative, an explanation of history, not a you know, poetic or, or kind of um, wanting to communicate a, a thought or an idea through a feeling. It's, it's just this is the information. And so we see that with Genesis 35, Leviticus um, 9.1, on the eighth day, Moses called Aaron and his sons and, and the elders of Israel. It was on the eighth day. I mean, it, it's just, he's giving you the number, giving you the day. Um, he, he's not trying to make it this big, you know, eighth era, eighth thousands of years. I mean, it's, it's just simple. Numbers 11.32, and the people rose all that day and all night and all the next day. I mean, we see it consistent here, right? It's the passing on of information, it's not trying to make these, these days into these long periods of times. And so if we're going to be consistent with context where we have a number, where we have an identity of context within this scripture, well then we know that when we read in Genesis 1 that on the first day God created, well that means in the first 24 hours God created. Amen. And, and we can take it at that. And if the science doesn't back it up, then the science is wrong. That's right. What is a day? Um, why don't we why don't we do this open to Bibles or, or I think they're all all these scriptures are probably on the handout you got as well and uh, we can go through and just look at these same accounts you know we see in Genesis 1 5 <clears throat> God called the light day in the darkness he called night so the evening um, and morning the first day evening morning a number was given a day. When I read that, it doesn't sound different to me than what we were just reading a minute ago about how, you know, on 180 years and that was the number of days Moses had. I mean, it, it sounds the same, passing on of information. And, and we could go on and read the rest of these. In verse 8, God called the firmament heaven. So the evening and morning were the second day. I mean, it's, it's just that passing on of information telling you what it was. It wasn't this, you know, Era. It wasn't meant to be taken in a different way. It was just a very simple passing on. 
of this information. And I think we see that in the text as we read through the account of, of creation, there really is nothing in there um, to indicate that we should take those days to mean anything other than days. I mean, do you see anything in any of those scriptures that would say we're supposed to take this as, you know, poetic or, or as an age or as a, a different period of time or anything other than simply what's written? I don't think so. I think God kept it simple and kept it easy and, and tried to just give us the information, tried to just pass the truth on to us. But, you know, because we've got our understanding of man and we want to make God's word line up with the way we understand it. I mean, it's, it's almost like if, if you know you're talking to someone who's wrong, you know, and they, they come to realize that they're wrong, but they don't want to admit it to you. So they start arguing with your point, even though they realize it's true. I feel like that's how mankind gets with God sometimes. You know, it, it's like we've got this other idea of what we want to be true. And so I don't care what the evidence says. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what the Bible says. I'm just, I think that's the position that people have arrived at, that science has arrived at is, you know, yeah, we don't have a solid truth or, or a solid science to back this up, but this is what we want to believe and this is what we're going to claim and so we're just going to discredit and disagree with what you said or we're going to compromise it to line up with what we want to believe. Do you see how that's being done um, with, with really science and society today? I mean, it's a sad thing that, and, and it really, it's a tactic of the enemy. I mean, the devil wants to discredit the Bible and if he can start here and get people to believe and buy into it here, he's going to use that. And so we as the children of God, the carriers of light, the salt in a dying world, we need to be prepared to, to stand up for Genesis yes. and say, no, it was, it, they were 24-hour days. The world's 6,000 years old. That's what the Bible says. Science can't prove otherwise. It's all theories. And the word is really clear. That's, that's the point I believe we need to get to. Um. We'll go on here just a little bit more on this, and then we're going to start getting into our days. <clears throat> we've got a couple other things. We've already gone through a lot of this in, in previous lessons. You know, what's the danger in, uh, if we reinterpret these days? Well, it discredits the early parts of the Bible in which many doctrines are set. And so we need to value uh, the validity of Genesis and Genesis 1. Um, there, there is a scripture over in Genesis 2-4. Um, that it takes, and, and actually we can go look at this too, I, I, we can do it quickly, Genesis 2 verse 4. This is where we see um, the word yom used once again. It says, this is the history of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord uh, God made the earth and the heavens before any plant or herb of the field. I mean, it's, it's just going on again and, and continuing in this usage of the word yom. And um, some people would want to say there that because, you know, here, the Bible doesn't uh, explicitly say um, on this day or on, on this day or this period of time or with this morning and evening. Well, then, you know, that must be the indication that it's an age. Well, we have seven days prior to this where God is, is clearly saying this happened in 24 hours. This happened in 24 hours. And, and then some people would want to take this scripture and uh, say otherwise. But um, in the day that the Lord God made the earth and heavens, you know. You, you could take that to mean in the period of time uh, because it, it doesn't have the same t context, but that doesn't change the, the value or the validity of those previous uses of the word yom. Uh, they, they could stand on their own, meaning 24 hours each time that they're used. <clears throat> so that was just a quick point on that. Um, 
You know what? Let's let's read Exodus, Exodus 20. I have it included on our scripture sheet tonight. Exodus 28 through 11. This is backing uh, what we've what we've seen and read in Genesis 1, uh, referring to 24 hour days. I, I think this scripture is another one we could cross reference with. I mean, if you were ever in a conversation with someone and they just they couldn't take Genesis to mean it, well, we can go and look here, and it refers back to the creation account, and it does so, um, you know, much after the fact in Exodus here, where they would have been accustomed to 24-hour days, and so when they use this language here, uh, it's indicative to me that they are understanding that these were 24-hour days. They say, remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. And they would understand what that means. Six out of the seven days, these morning and evening, 24-hour periods of time, you're going to do your work. The seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work. Uh, You, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, or female servant, nor cattle, nor your stranger who's within your gates. He says this, for in six days... The Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath and hallowed it. I mean, he he makes this cross reference that we live on a seven day time schedule where we work for six and rest for one. And he says, God did that exact same thing. He worked over a period of six days to create and then he rested. I mean, this this to me is is just another stack on the, the pile of proof showing that these were 24-hour days. And, you know, some of you guys are probably in here tonight thinking, Pastor Isaac, I have never cared this much at all about whether they were 24-hour days or not. And, and I'm sorry if this feels like just a ton about these 24-hour days, but there are a lot of people that, that would not want to accept this and not want to believe it. And so I think it's important that we are prepared um, to give a defense for what we believe. And, and so I just hope that you guys have um, enough with what we've talked about. Do you feel like you have enough with what we've talked about so far um, between you know the definitions and the dictionary and, and this scripture and the others that cross-reference and the way that it's used? I mean, I, I, I think this is important for us to know, and I, I hope that you value that too. Um, you know, just one last point on this, and then, and then we will get to the days. I promise we're going to get into the days, okay? Uh, I just thought this myself. Like, when I talk about specific date, like when I talk about a specific day, I'm not talking in an ambiguous term, meaning in a period of time, like I'm talking about that day. You know, if I told you, like I worked on my house this week on on Saturday, I was working on my house on Saturday. You get the picture that on Saturday I worked on my house or did whatever else I tell you I did. I preached on Sunday. You get a picture of me standing up there preaching on Sunday. And so when we read God say, on the first day, on the second day, on the third day, we should get an image of one day where God did what he said he did. You know, and any other, any other context that we would want to use for that is not from the word, it's from an outside opinion. And I don't base my beliefs on outside opinions, I base my beliefs on what the word says. Amen? Amen? All right, let's move on now to our days to our days, and we're going to start reading in Genesis 1, uh, 1 through 5. And so we're going to go through each of these first four days, and there's a few key things in each one of these four days that I believe are, would be good for us to just kind of pull and, and glean out of the scriptures. 
And so Genesis 1, 1 through 5 is where we're going to start. And I did tell you that last week we talked about the universe, and so we're not going to go as heavy on the, on the first verse, but we're kind of going to pick up more about the earth and the formless and void. So let's read uh, 1 through 5 here, and then we'll, we'll discuss these. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and the darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. <clears throat> And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. And so I'm going to back up now and and talk about a few elements that we see um, first, which are the heavens, the earth, and the water. We talked about heavens last week. I want to talk a little bit just about earth and water, um, what we see present in, in, in kind of the the physical, like tangible earth. Um, this, this is what we see created on the first day, the earth and the water uh, upon it. So in the beginning, on this first day, when God created the earth, um, would have been a large mass completely covered in water. Okay, that's, that's what the earth just, you can probably picture that, a globe covered in water. And as I thought about that picture, you know, God creates on the first day this globe covered in water. It made me think, I talked last week about like Legos and creating a little bit. Well, I kind of kind of went on with that thought a little bit as I was prepping today. And I thought about like a, an artist, a painter, or, or even like a musician and how when they get started on a creative endeavor, they start with a blank canvas, a, a, a blank song sheet. And then on that, they began creating and, and making this beautiful thing. Well, on the first day, not only did, did God go on to create his, you know, his masterpiece of creativity, he created what he was going to create on, which is, is just a testament to his greatness. I mean, it, it would, it's, it's not the same, but it's like I go out and I get my materials to create. Well, the first day, God got his materials to create. He went and got the blank canvas upon which he didn't go get it. He created it. He made it out of nothing because he's a powerful, great God. So he makes his blank canvas for creation and then he prepares um, to begin creating. And I think the reason that he brought light and darkness in, in at the very start is so that time would be present right at the start so that he could measure um, the process of creation and, you know, tell us that there was a process to creation. You know, I, I think he wanted us to understand how it happened. And so he had to create time before there would be understanding. We talked last week about how really before time began, we couldn't understand because it, we are stuck in time. Right. That's a part of God that we can't comprehend right now because we're, we're not like that. But he, he is so good and, and he cares for us and wants us to understand this so much that one of the first things he made was time, was day and night, a, a light and a darkness so that there could be morning and evening, day and night, a 24 hour period of time so that creation could be measured. And one day he could relay this account to us. If he hadn't done this and there hadn't been a day and a night, it just would have been before you guys were here. This is what I did. I made all this stuff. Can't really tell you how it progressed. It just like it, it was all it all showed up at some point in time. And I even think giving us day and night, the timing, the day, um, it was really so we would have kind of a, a leg to stand on today when people are asking questions about it. Yeah, 
You know, he knew back then that we were going to need apologetics for today. We were going to need to be able to explain what we believe in today so that people would come to believe in Jesus Christ. He knew that 6,000 years down the road, the enemy was going to be trying to deceive people into not believing what the Word says. And so he gave us the, the, the blueprint. He gave us the, the instructions of creation and how it all worked so that we would have the answers. And that's what this series is all about. This curriculum is all about is getting the answers, looking in and finding the answers that are contained within the Word. And so God is so good. I mean, He gave us what we needed to, to be able to do what we need to do today. Amen? And so the light, moving on from His blank canvas, the earth and the waters, the light, um, just a few points on that. He spoke it, and it was. Again, we see God's great and awesome power. He speaks, and it comes into existence. Uh, the light was good. I believe that uh, uh, at the end of the first day here, He says, and God saw the light, and it was good. The light was good. Uh, evening and morning, as we just talked about, was created. The light, this is an important point to realize, the light was not the sun. Yeah, that threw me through a loop. The light's not the sun. So, what was the light? I don't know. Because the Word doesn't tell us what it was. And I'm not, I'm not going to do what scientists do and give you speculation and tell you maybe it's one of these things. I don't know what the light was, and the Word doesn't say in Genesis 1 what the light was. But there was light present. And that's what we need to know is there was light for there to be day and night before the stars were ever put into existence. God started the time scale so he could give us the information. And then he created the sun, which would be the, the greater light at another point in time. The sun and the stars would not come until day four. But light was present at the very beginning. And, and so I can't tell you what that light source was. I don't know if it was something temporary um, I, I, I don't know. I don't know if there was something temporary in the time. He created light as an existence, and there was light present. I don't know what the source... I mean, we know the source was God. We know that He was the one that created it. And so I don't know if it was just light coming from Him, or if there was another object at some point that was portraying light. But, I mean, if we read creation, I, I mean, there are things that are more amazing to me than the fact that there could be light without something giving the light off. You know, I mean, this, this would not be the question that I get hung up on. Like, there, there are bigger fish to fry, so to speak. I mean, there, there are bigger things going on in Genesis than the fact that God can make light without, you know, what we would consider to be a light source. So there was light in the very first day, day and night, um, and, and that started the time scale for the rest of creation. We can go on and look at Genesis 1, 6 through 8, because I do hope to get through all four of these days tonight. It says, And God said... We're talking about day two now. God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters and let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse. And it was so. And God called the expanse heaven. And there was evening and there was morning the second day. Now, I used to read the scripture and my mind was just like totally confused. I mean, what, what does that mean? That, that there were waters and, and waters somewhere else and they separated these waters that were in different places and then there was you know, water above and water below. Um, we can simplify it down pretty easily and, and just say that he's talking about the atmosphere. Okay, that's, that's bottom line. What he's talking about is the atmosphere, that there was water, um, you know, the waters covering the face of the earth and then there was an expanse or a space between those waters and 
the other side of water. Now, there, there are people who would, would want to say, well, that must mean there's like a wall of water out there somewhere. And maybe on the edge of the universe that we can't find, maybe there is a, a wall of water out there. The space in which we inhabit, though, is, is this expanse that's being talked about. This expanse, which I'm kind of getting ahead of myself right now, but it's called heaven. It was called heaven here at creation. This expanse, the place in which we would live, is referred to as heaven. Um, you may notice in the scripture handout that you got, um, I, I've written out or typed out or copied pasted New King James Version. That's the translation I typically will read and teach out of. But it uses a different word. Rather than expanse, it says firmament. And so I went in to, to look up that word because when I think of firmament, I think of like you know something solid. And so that kind of makes me think like, you know, as I read it and it said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters. I'm thinking, oh, well, that must have been the land, right? Well, no, it's not because the land comes later. So this firmament, it doesn't mean like this firm, solid ground, you know, that God was putting in the midst of the waters. What it really means is um, it's a space. And, and the word that's used is rakuia, uh, rakuia. These Hebrew words are tough sometimes, okay? Give, give me a little bit of mercy and grace on these words. Rakuia. It means to spread abroad, to stamp, or to stretch. So, as I read this, that totally fits in for me, that, that God stretched out this space. You know, that at one time, the world was just, it was water, and that was it. Well, what he did is he stretched out a space. You know, there was the water above, the water below. He stretched out an area in between, Filled it with atmosphere, which, you know, as, as I kind of thought more about this and what we know of our atmosphere, I mean, there is water in the atmosphere. You know, I mean, there, it's not that there's like, not, I mean, we may not see anything, like I'm not, you know, grabbing anything here. But there is water, there is substance in the atmosphere. So that's what it's talking about is, is God created an atmosphere and he called it heaven. He called it heaven. That would be the place upon which we were supposed to come and live. Another scripture I wanted to give you about this stretching out, Psalm 104, verse 2. It says, Who cover yourselves with a garment, or with light as with a garment, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain? And I believe this is the psalmist referring to creation, where he says, God, you, you stretched out. The place upon which we would live. You know, you, you made this expanse. You made this space. You made this atmosphere so that we could survive and we could live. You know, it's, it's God taking this formless void covered in water, you know, blank canvas, so to speak. And he's beginning to, to make the space for the masterpiece to come in. You know, if we kind of just go on with that example, it's like if you were ever, and I'm not much of a painter, so... If I don't get all this right, you'll just have to forgive me for that, okay? But if a painter's beginning to paint something, they don't like go right into all their fine details. And they don't go right into the main part. They set up the background first, right? They set up the background first. Or like musically, a lot of times uh, for music, it, it doesn't start with the guitar shredding out a solo in the middle of an instrumental. It starts with the main line, like the backing the, the musical parts that are going to keep it all held together in the background while this other stuff goes on. And I think that same thing is what we're seeing God do here on day number two, is, is he's setting up the backdrop for life to come into the earth. That's what's going on. I, I mean, 
you know, to me, it's kind of like, well, why didn't, why didn't he just make it with that? Well, it's because he wanted to show his power and the steps that it would take to take something that's lifeless and voidless and formless and turn it into something upon which we could live and we could be and would be heaven um, on this earth. And so we see this expanse made. Um, heaven is what it's called. And I wanted to give you a few definitions of that word as well. There are three definitions for heaven. Uh, the first one that I would use is God's dwelling place, the place where God is. Uh, the next one is, you know, the universe, the heavens, like we talked about a couple weeks ago. And then uh, the other one is what we see here, the atmosphere um, of the earth. It's described as heaven. Now, you know, I thought about this a lot as I was preparing. And it, make, it makes sense. It, it really does. Because before the fall of man, before sin came in, this is the place God created for us to live and for us to reside. And it says that he would come down and walk with Adam in the cool of the day. I mean, this was heaven. Earth was at one time heaven. Now, it's not anymore because we gave it up to the devil when Adam sinned, right? But, but one day again, there's a promise that there's going to be a new heaven, a new earth, a new, a new Jerusalem. And so I believe, as we talked about a couple weeks ago, that's Jesus coming back in and going from creation to corruption and putting us right there in between those two points where creation had already occurred. I mean, basically, I believe when Jesus comes back, the plan is that we're going to get back to the Garden of Eden, to heaven on earth. And, and I see this as his original plan because it's right here in Genesis 6 through 8. He made a place where we could survive, where we could live. He designed it for us because we're his masterpiece. But in order for there to be a masterpiece, there has to be a backdrop in which the masterpiece can exist. Amen. And so he's creating here the backdrop for us to come and live and for heaven to, to take place on earth. And so we can all look forward to the day that that's restored. And, and we get back to this point where there is heaven on earth. Amen. Uh, going on now to Genesis 1 verse 9. We're going to talk about the third day. So um, we, we see, you know, summing up. If you're doing the fill in the blank, um, the second day was atmosphere, the sky being created. And so it's still all water on the ground. And then we got our sky and then there's the universe and heavens out beyond that. Genesis 1 verses 9 through 13 this is where stuff starts showing up with the water. It says, And God said, Let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear. And it was so. God called the dry land earth, and the waters that were gathered together He called seas. And God saw that it was good. And God said, Let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees bearing fruit in which is their seed each according to its kind, on the earth, and it was so. So, we see a few things created here, mainly, mainly two things, both of which have you know, quite a bit of, of information around them. The first is the dry land, of course. He says, the waters under the heavens gathered together in one place, let the dry land appear. <clears throat> so, this is something, I can't take credit for this. I read it in the curriculum today. And for a little while, I was thinking, I don't know if I want to preach that. I don't know if I'm comfortable with that. But I, I think the curriculum is right. You know, as we go through creation, it says, you know, God created 
God created. God created. Well, it doesn't say that here in verse 9, does it? It doesn't say God created the dry land in verse 9. It says, and let the dry land appear. And it was so. So what we have a picture of here is the waters all gathered together in one space. And when they gathered in this, this other space, what we were left with was land somewhere else. That tells me that when God created the earth, he created it with land already present. Mm-hmm. It was just buried, covered by water. Mm-hmm. And so we see on this, this third day um, that dry land appears. That, that it must have been present under the water at an earlier date of creation. And so, um, you know, I'm not trying to change like the biblical timeline of when land was created, okay, because we didn't see land before the third day. But I do think that when God created the earth, he created it with land already there because he already knew the plan. And, you know, as I thought about um, even, even, you know, this is kind of the preacher in me thinking about how this applies in other areas, but God created you and I with some stuff on the inside of us that we don't see right at the first moment of our life. You know, it it takes a little while for some other stuff to move out so that we can see what was under the surface. You know, God created the world, I think, and the earth in the same way where everything that would be, well, the land that would be needed was present right at the very start. And then he shaped and molded the earth um, into a place where it would be effective for us to live. And so we see here in the third day that the waters moved away. They moved and gathered into one place. And then the dry land um, appeared as a result of that. And so um, I just, I found that encouraging. I mean, I I felt like that was just a a little thing that the Holy Spirit showed me is that, you know, he doesn't just do this to the earth. He does it for you and me. You know, he leaves stuff maybe that's, that's hidden under other things, but as, as we move up in God and, and we you know, become more like Christ, we're going to see some things show up. We're going to see God creating things in our life um, that maybe he already put there. Maybe they've been there for a while, but we're just now starting to see him show up. You know, that's, that's one of the ways that God works. He puts things on the inside of you that are there for the right time, right? That are there for the right time. And so he put land on the earth that would be there for the right time, when he could do what he wanted to do. Um, and that was on the third day that, that dry land appeared. So the water gathers together in one place. The land is gathered in another. Uh, one of the things we see with that is that uh, it was a, one land mass. You know, the water was identified as being in one place, which means the land was in another place. And so um, this, I, I believe, would have been before the flood, so the earth probably didn't look like how it looks today. I mean, if we look at a map and we see North America, South America, Europe, Africa, Asia, Australia, and you know, Antarctica, it wouldn't have looked like that because this was all before the flood. And when the flood happened, it broke up that you know, single landmass. I think this also kind of explains why if you look at a map, it, it looks like all the pieces of continents could fit together, right? And, it, you know, even scientists, they talk about Pangea, how we at one time probably had just this one big continent. Well, I believe that too. But I believe that the reason that all of these continents moved apart wasn't because the Earth's been around for billions of years and it's shifted. But I believe that there was a global flood. And when that flood occurred, it changed the way that those plates of the earth were shaped it moved things around in a rapid way as only a global catastrophe like a flood could do 
a worldwide flood, I mean, that would change the landscape, wouldn't it? And so uh, we, we see here just kind of, well, the way God began to create uh, the earth. And then we go on and we read about plants. You know, it says that, uh, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed and fruit, trees bearing fruit, and which is their seed according to its kind on the earth. And it was so. Now, there are, are some things about plants that are, you know, I never really thought plants were a big deal. Here we see that, that there's, there's some stuff with plants and talking about kinds that's really important in the apologetic um, understanding that, you know, there wasn't an evolutionary process and it wasn't all of these many years. Uh, the word says there were, was grass. Um, and in the version, the New King James Version I gave you, it identifies three kinds of plants, grass, herbs, and fruit trees. Grass, herbs, and fruit trees. We see various kinds of plants mentioned um, even right here. Now, the reason that we can see that, that evolution isn't the, the reason we have all of these wonderful plants and vegetation on the earth is that um, evolution would have said that at the start there would have been one plant, and out of that one plant would have come a different kind of plant, and then another different kind of plant, and over time it would have just you know, sorted out into many different kinds. Well, that's not what the Word says. Um, it says that there were these different kinds. And, and what I'll tell you is I believe every single one of these kinds of plants were all present right at creation. Amen. Every kind of plant, and we're going to talk about what kind means here in a minute, kinds of plants, every single kind was present at creation. Now, there are variations within kinds, and uh, this is kind of what I found today as I studied. Even, even modern science recognizes that there is a difference between a kind and, and a variation of something. You may have heard of the, the organism classification chart. It goes kingdom, phylum, class, order, family, genus, species. I remember some phrase about like King Peter called uh, something about ginger snaps is how I learned that. It was like some little phrase. Maybe you remember that too, or maybe you don't. I don't know. But there's a classification that even scientists use to identify that, that there are, you know, there's overarching species, and then there's like, there's types within these species, and then there's subtypes, and, and they've got this classification. Well, God really, he, he just presented it as kinds. You know, we have these different kinds of plants. You know, we have fruits, we have herbs, we have grasses. And what I found interesting is it also talks about the seed. It says that there, the seed, it has its seed according to its kind. The seed is the key to identifying kinds because like kinds have like seed. And, and like kinds can reproduce. Okay, and so as we talk about plants, you know, it, it, made, it reminded me of our conversation about fruits a few weeks back. We were, we were arguing about whether a, uh, a grape was a berry or not. And we found out that it is. So I was right. That a great, yeah, and you can look it up. There's like five different kinds of fruits. And I I didn't write them all down. But what I can tell you is that citrus is like one kind of fruit. Okay, you probably know that. Citrus is a kind of fruit. We got oranges and we got tangerines and we got grapefruits and we got lemons and limes. Okay, there there are cross compatibilities of these. Have you ever heard of like a tangelo? A tangerine and a, I think it's a pomelo. Well, they're both citrus fruits. 
and they're of like kind, and so they are able to produce a variety. And this is what happened with creation, is God created the kinds, but then because those kinds had like seed, they reproduced and made varieties. You know, and, and something I imagine it's going to come up in our lesson about the animals. You know, as we look at animals, like, there, I mean, there's like hundreds of breeds of dogs, right? But they're all of the same kind. And that's why you can get all these hundreds of different breeds is because the seed mixes. And with plants, it's, it's the same way. God made kinds, and he kept them in kinds. And so that, too, doesn't agree with evolution because evolution says, well, it just all kind of progressed over time. And this, you know, yeah, maybe it started with a grass and then that grass grew into a weed and then the weed grew into, you know, a crop and then that crop grew into a vine and the vine grew into a tree and, you know, so on and so forth. It's not what the Word says. It says that God produced kinds. And so we know that a, a kind may have variation or variety within it, but you're not going to get a tree and a grass to produce some kind of plant. I mean, have you ever tried to cross-pollinate grass and trees? doesn't work. At least that's what I'm told. I mean, ask the expert over here. I'm not it. I've never tried to pollinate a grass and a tree, but I, I imagine that wouldn't work out. And I, I mean, I'm sure even some of you guys that are farmers know more about that, how it's difficult to... to you know, crossbreed or make a hybrid of something, you have to get things that are compatible, that are of like kind. And so this is one of those principles that God established right at the beginning of the world is things have to be of like kind. And so in the kinds, um, we, we just see that here again, creation and evolution, they don't mix. Can you see that in the kinds? Let's go on to our fourth day as we have just a few minutes left. Genesis 1, um, and, and that's also this... 12 through 13 is talking about the third day. The earth brought forth vegetation plants, yielding according to their kinds, trees bearing fruit, uh, each according to its kind, morning, evening, third day. And then we go on to verse 14. This is where we see our fourth day. And God said, let there be lights in the expanse of heavens to separate the day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. Let them be lights in the expanse of heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day, the lesser to rule the night, and the stars. And God said, uh, he set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth, to rule over the day and over the night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. So, you know, we, we see there just the, the continuity. It's amazing that once again, just speaking to the power of God that before there was a, a sun and a moon, he still had light on the earth. You know, I think that's incredible that he made a way for there to be a timeline before he even created the thing that would be our timeline. You know, and, and they're in the creation of, of uh, the lights of the heavens. That's kind of how we could summarize this day's creation, the lights of the heavens, the sun, moon, stars, and other heavenly bodies. We could say planets along with that. Um, they were created for a purpose. You know, I, I hadn't thought a lot about this before, but even the, the stars have a purpose. Um, it says that, well, obviously the lights were created to separate day and night, and they do that pretty effectively. When the sun's up, I know it's daytime, don't you? Um, it says for signs. And I thought about this. I thought, well, man, that, that's kind of sounding like astrology, and I don't know if I want to preach that in church. <laughs> 
But what I thought about then is the, the, the star that led the wise men to Jesus and how God even used the stars to bring a sign to these men that a Savior was being born. Pre-planned. Hallelujah. He had a plan for seasons, for measuring days and years. You know, our, our calendar is based on what the sky is doing. Um, and then to give light to the earth, of course. Um, two great lights, sun and moon. You know, I, I think another thing that's just interesting about this is kind of a, a quick like last thought on this. We see creation of these heavenly lights. You know, a, another statement to God's greatness is how it says, He made the stars also. He made the stars also. That's, that's the line about the stars. You know, I googled today how many stars there are. And the closest estimate I could find says one billion trillion stars in the observable universe. One billion trillion. Like, I can't even tell you how many zeros are on that number. It's a lot. A lot of zeros. One billion trillion stars in our observable universe, which means there's more out there than what we can count. We just we can only see so far with you know, our technology. And the line it gets is, he made the stars also. <laughs> That's, yeah, like, by the way, yeah, just kind of threw it in there. I mean, like, that's, that's who our God is, though. It's like no big deal. And what the other thing I think is so incredible about this is, like, the way he talks about man and us, when his line for the stars was, also made those. You know, those were mine, too. But this is, this is, you know, this man, he, we're going to talk about that in a couple weeks. Did you get anything out of this with, with how evolution and the, the Bible don't line up and, and getting an idea of what our timeline of history has looked like? You know, I have one more minute, so I think I can just get like one more thing in real quick. There's a lot of content, if you haven't noticed, there's a lot of content in this uh, curriculum. Um, one other, it's, it's just kind of like a fun fact for you. Uh, the old earth theory, the theory that the earth is like 13 billion years old, is actually very recent. Um, that theory really was not accepted until about 1700. So for the last 17, well, basically for the last 6,000 years, except for the last 300, mankind has believed what the word says. Oh, wow. And here in the last 300 years, I guess we think we've gotten really smart. I would disagree. Um, they, made stars. They, they didn't make the stars. No, they did not. Um, another thing, real quick, rock layers. I just want to get these in because I, I don't know if I'll fit them into another lesson. Um, the idea of rock layers being formed over time rather than by a flood was, was that same year. It was that same time, about 1700. Up until 1700, everybody agreed that there had been a global flood, and that's why there were all these layers of rock and you know fossils and mud and all of that. It's like all within the last 300 years is when people have started agreeing that the Earth is really old. So you know, if if we want to take just these last 300 years uh, out of the equation, then we could have said everybody you know agrees with this. Unfortunately, that's not the day we're living in anymore. Fossils, um, a note on those, they're buried under the flood. Mm-hmm. You know, talking to the age of the earth and kind of, because the days is really like the key of this, one of the keys of this lesson, how it's a 24-hour day. And I'm just showing you why, why you need to know it. People are going to say, well, fossils, fossils are, you know, billions or millions of years old. 
So how does your six-day creation story fit into that? Well, again, until about the 1700s, fossils were believed to have been part of a worldwide flood where there was rapid burial, where mud and water started piling it up and the animals got locked in and, and died. I mean, it makes sense when you think about what the word says, um, but, you know, science and, and the people that don't believe want to make up other explanations for all these things, of course. Um, I think this is, this is what I'm going to end with, and this is important. Here's, here's another reason it's important to have a biblical perspective. If millions of years of history existed before mankind, then death, disease, suffering, cruelty, and brutality existed before mankind sinned in the garden, which completely discredits God being a good God and a just God. Can you see how this is a dangerous, like a dangerous thing to buy into? Evolution. It, it really is a tactic of the devil to unravel God's reputation and identity. Because if, if the devil can get people to believe that there was just you know, dinosaurs ripping up dinosaurs and, and uh, you know, meteor hit the earth and then it killed them all. Well, that doesn't sound like a God that's valuing his creation. It doesn't sound like good creation like he said in Genesis 1. And so if the world really is millions of years old and, you know, there was all of this stuff going on before humans ever got to the scene, well, then God's a liar and God's not good. And I don't believe that. And so I can't believe in evolution. I can't believe in these other theories because I know my God. And I know he does tell the truth. I know his word is truth. I know he is consistent and good and loving. And I know his creation was made good. And one day it's going to be good again because Jesus came to restore it to heaven on earth. Do you agree with that tonight? Amen. Well, thank you, Lord, for this word. Thank you for understanding on this topic of how creation came to be. Thank you for equipping us with this understanding, Lord, so that we can use it to make a case for you that when other people come with doubts about the creation account of Genesis, we can point them in the right direction. We can identify um, some of these things we talked about tonight um, to to bring an understanding of truth and of your word um, to people who have not taken the time to understand it before. Lord, I pray that this would be effective and help us in spreading your good news around the world. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Have a wonderful night, everybody. Thank you for coming out.